If you would, would you join me in a quick word of prayer? Let us pray. Lord, as your scriptures are read and proclaimed this day, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that our hearts, our minds, and our very lives may be transformed by your holy word. Thank you for your gift of scripture, we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we are finishing up our look at ways in which we can grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Those simple acts that we often refer to as the means of grace or, or the ways of growing in God's love. And today we are going to be talking about one that, well, we Christians sometimes want to just forget. But before we get there, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures of some interesting items. And I want you, or I want to see if you know what their purpose is. So let's see the first one. And if you look on the uh, ends of the pins that you have there in your pews or on your pockets, if they have a cap, you'll probably notice that there's a little hole on the end of the caps. Anybody know what that hole is meant for? Anybody know? Supposedly, yes. So supposedly, if you... Now, I'm not telling you to go home and swallow a pen cap to see if this really works. Because I, I was reading on the BIC website, and they tell you several times, don't do it, it may not actually work. But the hole in the top may allow you, if you get choked on a pen cap, uh, to breathe. Because believe it or not, it was something like 100 people a year choked to death on a pen cap. Who's eating the pins? <laughs> All right, so let's see what the next picture is. All right, who knows what that, it's called the fifth pocket that you get in jeans. Who knows what that was originally meant for? Because now it's more of just a traditional thing we put on jeans. Pocket watch, okay? Uh, back when uh, Levi's were first invented in the late uh, 1800s, uh, most people didn't wear a wristwatch. Wrist you wore a... Uh, a pocket watch, and that's where you put your pocket uh, watch. Um, for, for me, uh, when I was a kid, that's where I was told to put my lunch money so nobody would steal it. All right, let's see what the next one is. All right, if you have uh, uh, currency, uh, coins, um, uh, quarters, dimes, nickels, uh, if you look on the side, you have that little uh, beading on the side. And does anybody know what that was originally meant for? What was its original purpose? Yes, indeed. Uh, so it was first put on back uh, when we uh, actually made our coins out of real silver. We don't anymore. Don't do it. Uh, besides apparently being illegal, you're not going to get anything for it because it's just 
kind of worthless metal now. But at one point, we made uh, those coins out of silver, and what people would do is they would file down the edges of those coins and get a little bit of silver, and it would devalue the number of the, the uh, uh, coin. So they started putting those on there to show that the coin uh, hadn't been messed with. All right, let's see what the next one is. Who knows what the purpose of this is, the church? Because that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Jesus tells us that the purpose of the church is to make disciples for him. That's what the purpose of the church is. Making disciples. Jesus tells us to go and to make disciples in his name. We call that evangelism. Or as I've heard it referred to, the E word. I got to tell you, as a pastor... People are much more excited if you ask them, hey, how would you like to come help with a turkey dinner? Sure. How would you like to come uh, sing in the choir? Sure. A few less people will say yes. But go and ask people, how would you like to come and tell people about Jesus? People start getting really, really concerned. Evangelism should be a normal, natural part of the Christian life. Yet we often shy away from it. And the reason that is, is because we have many times seen it done incorrectly. We have seen it done not so well. We have experienced unethical people who have self-identified as evangelists who have hurt us. I want to show you a picture of one of these types of evangelists that we often unfortunately think about uh, when we, uh, we talk about evangelists. And I ran into this guy uh, a couple of years ago uh, down in Cincinnati when I was going to a concert. And yes, if you wondered what I looked like with hair, there you go. And we were going to a concert and these uh, guys were camped out uh, in front of, of the, the venue as we were waiting for the gates to open so we could go in um, because I'm, I'm old and I get there way early so I can get my seat because I don't want to be rushed. That's how you know you're getting older. And um, these guys were shouting at us uh, how we were all going to go to you know where. And they had a sign that had all of the people they thought were going to go uh, uh, to hell listed out. And, and, and it was quite a comprehensive list, by the way. I found myself on it several times. And so my, I was with my twin brother, and I handed him my phone, and I said, quick, this will be great for a sermon someday. I need to get a picture with them. To which his response is, do you think that's a good idea? 
So he made me stand a little bit up because I was going to go like put my arm around him. And he said, no, 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 that's a bad idea, right? Um, have any of you ever seen folks like this who are claiming to do evangelism with a blowhorn? Jesus never had a blowhorn. Jesus never stood in, in front of a, of a sporting event or a, a, a concert of, of some sort, uh, uh, yelling and screaming at people as to how they were going to be condemned. Jesus invited people with a loving tone in his voice. Now, for the backstory of this, what was really, really funny is that uh, this was uh, 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 Guns N' Roses, on one of their many reunion tours, and the average age of the person was like 50, right? I mean, there wasn't anybody there who was going to do anything probably past 10 o'clock. But the way these guys were yelling at us, you would have thought we were going to like riot or something, right? Had a similar experience uh, a number of years ago. Uh, went to, uh, took a Sunday off, went to the Indianapolis 500. And uh, we were walking around the outside of the track. Uh, I was looking for a hot dog. I was hungry. And as I was trying to figure out which $10 hot dog I was going to get, they had a fence set up uh, outside of the track. And once you showed your ticket, you went inside, but you had to stay outside if you didn't show the ticket. And these people were outside the fence with their signs shouting how we were all going to burn because we weren't at church on Sunday morning. We were at the racetrack. To which I simply observed, well, so are you. <laughs> but apparently it doesn't count if you got a, a sign and a blowhorn. Right? And this is one of the main reasons I think we as Christians uh, tend to shy away from evangelism. Because we don't want to be lumped with these people uh, who hurt others with their words, with their actions, with their signs, with their slogans. But Jesus tells us that we are to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of knowing him. I think another problem we sometimes have uh, when it comes to evangelism is that we don't really feel as if we are worthy. You know, we, we, we don't feel like we're real, like a worthy vessel for this important invitation from God. But 1 Peter 2.9 tells us this. It says, you were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. No matter who you are, you are called and you are gifted, and you are able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the reason you're able to do it is not so much because of who you are or what you are, but because of whose you are and who is going with you. Acts 1.8 says, But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God will be with you. So how can we share the good news? Well, I like acronyms, so here's one I'm going to share with you. 
and it's called tell. All right? And I think if we remember tell, it'll help us in sharing our faith. All right? Tell stands for truth, explain, living, leading. So let's talk first about truth. The first thing we need to do is to tell the truth of our own life. How has Jesus made a difference in your life? Now, you may be saying, but Pastor Rick, I am boring. Nobody wants to hear my story. To which I say, that's not true. One, you can't be any more boring than me. And two, even my boring story can be used by God for extraordinary things. People's lives are changed all the time when they hear ordinary stories of how God has made extraordinary things happen for others. How God has used ordinary people and, 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 and how God's love has brought hope into our lives. How God's hope has brought a sense of connection to others into our lives. How God's um, redeeming power shown through Jesus has brought hope into our ordinary lives. Never underestimate the power of your ordinary life. The second thing I think is important for us to do is to explain, is to tell people what we actually believe versus what people think we believe. Now, as a pastor, I have had a number of experiences where people assume they know what I do for a living, and they have really no clue at all. For instance, went to get my haircut a couple of years ago, back when I actually had to get a haircut. And I go in, this was during the week, I, I was like visiting a hospital and then I just stopped to get my haircut on the way back to the church and this young lady started cutting my hair and you know, making small talk and she says, so what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And she says, oh, that's great. So what do you do the rest of the week? <laughs> to which I replied, I get my haircut. What do we believe? What do you believe? And it doesn't have to be some deep theological discussion, right? You don't have to whip out your Bible on someone's front porch and start showing them Bible verses. I mean, if you can do that, that's great. But just say, you know what? I believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that he, through his teachings, taught me how I can be a better person, how I can live a better, more fulfilling life. And you know what? Jesus died on a cross, and because of that, all of the bad things I've done are forgiven. And then he rose again on Easter. And because of that, I have hope of everlasting life. I got to tell you that. That preaches right there. That will make a difference in someone's life. Much more than, than using huge, big theological words that, to be quite honest, sometimes I even have to look up in a uh, 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 theology dictionary. Jesus never used big words to describe God's love, and neither do 
we. Living. We need to be a living example of the faith. I love this quote from John Wesley. John Wesley said this. He said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all of the theologians in England. Isn't that true? From the love of his mother, he learned more about God. From the way his mother read scripture to him, took him to church. St. Francis of Assisi, almost a thousand years ago now, said this. He said, preach the gospel every day and only if you have to use words. Your actions speak very loudly. And if you are living a life of peace, if you are living a life of hope, if you are living a life that is, uh, is consistent in treating others the way you want to be treated. Now, you don't have to live a perfect life, but if you are living a life that is with purpose, people are going to notice. Because you're going to stand out in the crowd. People are going to want to know, why do you have a sense of peace when everybody else is running around? Like the sky's falling. Why do you have a sense of peace when you are, are facing tough times? Well, what, what is causing that? Why are you able to love those who are treating you badly? Then you can tell them it's because of Jesus. Acts 13, 47 says this. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In other words, I have made you a light to people who aren't even here, who don't go to church, who don't know anything about Jesus. And that number of people in our country who know nothing about Jesus is growing each and every year. John MacArthur said this. He said, you are the only Bible some unbelievers will ever read. And your life is under scrutiny every day. What do others learn from you? Do they see an accurate picture of your God? Hmm? Do they? I am reminded of that each and every day. This past year, um, I think I've, I've shared with you that I was teaching uh, uh, high school. And at the school I was teaching at, uh, the vast majority of kids were uh, Muslim. They were not Christian. Uh, and so uh, they all knew that I was a Christian pastor, which to them that they thought was just endless, endlessly fascinating because uh, they had no idea what I did. Uh, and some of their ideas were hysterical, stuff they see on TV. Um, and I had to tell them, no, I am, I, I'm not an exorcist. Uh, you know, watching horror movies, do your homework. Um, but I had one instance where there was a kid, and he and his twin brother were from uh, Central America, and they were Catholic. And each day when I would walk by their desk, 
the one uh, brother would have a picture of Jesus on his computer, and he would point at Jesus and go, yeah. It was, we were like the Jesus bros. And uh, so I, I, I come into his math class uh, to, to help their teacher. He, they needed some help in there, and the kid goes, oh, Mr. Burke, I need you to come over here real quick and tell so-and-so who Jesus is because he, he's got it wrong. And I look, and the other kid looks at me, and I know the other kid's Muslim, and I'm thinking, this is where Richard Burke gets himself fired. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay. So I go up, and I said, and, and, and the, I was like, well, why don't you explain to him who you think Jesus is? And he said, Jesus is the Son of God, my Savior. I said, but pretty good right there. And the other kid goes, well, I think Jesus is a prophet. And I go, well, do you think they could both, he could be both a prophet and your savior? Yeah, perfect. Let's get back to math. And I kept my job. But it occurred to me that that boy that was sitting next to that other boy was the only person who was telling him about Jesus. And he knew that this kid knew about Jesus from the way he acted uh, to the fact that he had a picture of Jesus on his computer. And that somehow this came up in the middle of a math class. You never know how you are going to influence someone for Christ. And the final thing we can do to help others uh, 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 know about Jesus is to invite them to church. If you look in your bulletin, you should have a little card like this. If you don't, there are a bunch of them back on the table at the back of the sanctuary and also at the table uh, when you leave the sanctuary uh, headed out the side door there. And uh, I've had several people say, uh, Pastor, it would be really nice if I had a card of some sort that I could give to people when I invite them to come to church. So your uh, your uh, uh, desire has been answered in this card. Uh, it, it's got our worship time and our contact info. If you look on the back, it's got a QR code. If they scan that with their phone, it'll take them to Google Maps and give them a uh, direct path right to our church, no matter where they're at. So they're never going to get lost getting to us. And if you say, if you need, need these, we got a ton of them. You can take as many as you want. If we use them all, we'll get more made. Um, but invite somebody to church. Eight in ten unchurched persons would come to church if we invited them and accompanied them to the worship service. Eight out of ten. Yet, most Christians don't invite people to church. Uh, sometimes it's because we feel funny about it. Sometimes we, we don't uh, uh, want to intrude. But you know what? If I have something that I'm getting something out of, I want to share that with others, right? If I'm going to the gym and I'm getting a lot out of going to the gym, I'm going to invite someone to join me, right? Because they're going to get the same thing I got out of it. Well, if I'm getting something out of church, I should invite somebody else to come with me so that they too can get what I have found. Right? And again, we do this in, in, in a kind way, and we, we do this in a friend way. Uh, I have uh, another uh, Meet the Pastor gathering after church uh, today. And uh, hopefully I'll get, get, to, get to see some of you there. Um, and... Uh, 
one of the questions I ask is, how did you get here? And I'm pretty sure the answers today will be uh, very similar to the answers I've been getting at, at the other gatherings. And it's mostly somebody invited you. Now, sometimes the person who invited you was your mom and dad, and you were a kid, and you didn't have a choice. Right? But you were still invited, and they even came with you. But a lot of other people came because somebody they knew invited them to church. Very, very seldom do people start coming to church because you put an ad in the newspaper. It's mostly because you were invited by someone who you know. So uh, evangelism is a way for us to grow as Christians, and it doesn't have to be scary. Because remember, we just need to tell others about Jesus. We just need to share the truth of our life, explain briefly and, and clearly what we believe. We need to be a living example for others, and we need to just invite people to join us at church. Uh, join us for a Bible study. Join us for uh, uh, some sort of, of mission activity. Um, uh, just join us for something. Invite. Because that's what Jesus did. We need to tell the story of Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that we can come together to be with you and for the awesome responsibility of telling others about your love through Jesus. Lord, it can be scary to, to share the gospel. Be with us. Guide us as we share. As we share the good news that you loved us enough to come and to die for us. And Lord, remind us that the reason we have a relationship with you is because someone cared enough about us to invite, you, invite us to be a part of your family. Help us to pay that forward, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.